So we're on a journey together, and there's lots of different desires going on with the church and lots of different areas of growth that we're wanting to see happen. And if you were with us last week, we had a message on um, growing in a mature way of thinking, which was to keep, keep on pushing ourselves to be completely obsessed with Jesus, laying behind everything we can so that nothing is hindering us from living a Jesus-focused, Jesus-centered, Jesus-saturated, Jesus-covered, Jesus-founded, Jesus-obsessed life, so that we're in step with his best plan for us from one moment to the next. And I see my speaking mission in part as to help increase motivation for living for Jesus during these days, as well as pointing out things that might be robbing us of energy, robbing us of fruitfulness, robbing us of passion, and robbing us of grace as we seek to give ourselves to the Lord and serve him with all our might. And to steal a worldly phrase, I really want to help give messages that maximize your potential in Christ with your life. And so today, I want to talk about uh, anxiousness or anxiety. And give you a little love for an anxious heart. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Okay? Cured? Everybody fixed? So this is an interesting one for me because this is definitely a part of my own life story. Um, I grew up in a kind of anxious home and I'm naturally anxious. Growing up, it displayed itself with like a lot of shyness. One of my clearest memories from my late teenage years was being taken with a teacher to like a job fair kind of thing and being so shy that I couldn't even talk to the people he was in introducing me to. So you'd be like, this is Rob, and introduce yourself, Rob, and I'd be like, huh. And just feeling so shy that the people couldn't even hear me greeting them. And church has cured me of that. <laughs> Got to meet 50 new people a week, which is wonderful. It's a bit of a grace. But I have been in the journey of feeling anxious and having to learn to overcome it, like, my whole life. And so I hope if you're somebody who feels anxiety or has ever defined yourself as anxious or anything like that, I hope this morning you find friends and find a place where you can still feel called, have home. You're not feeling picked on or driven out or on the outside. I hope that um, you hear Jesus saying to you, I want to help. And this doesn't have to stay the same forever. But I also don't want to trigger, trigger anybody's anxiety by talking about anxiety, right? Like, that's one of the weird things about it. We, let's talk about anxiety. I'm already anxious. You know, it's just this weird experience of life where just even looking at it can make it feel worse sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, thank you, friends. And even Jackie and I, I hope it's okay for me to share this, darling. You know, this is when you ask, yeah. Go ahead, say no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Jackie's tough. She would say no. And I'd respect it. 
But we've even had a journey over the last two years, like many of us have, just going through all this stuff, where we've had these seasons of anxiety that have really manifested themselves physically. Like, Jackie can give you all the things she was going through, but there was a time where we were getting MRIs to try to figure out if you had MS because the ends of your hand your hands and your feet were going numb all the time. And it was just the combination of life with a child with special needs, plus the government saying you can't leave your house in the middle of winter for somebody whose all their life joys are about like doing new things and meeting new people. Just not a healthy restriction to have. And I've even been through some seasons where like my forehead wouldn't stop tingling for a month, um, or my lips going numb, and it's just like anxiety. It's just body responding to stress stuff. And so we've been through some stuff and really, I think, been finding Jesus in it. And so as Jesus talks about this thing that many of us experience and many of us have experienced in ways that we never imagined that we would experience in the last couple of years, again, I hope you find some love for your anxious heart. Let's read the full context of this call. Jesus knew that his disciples and everyone who would ever read the Bible would deal with anxiety, stress, fear of the future, nervousness. And so he taught on it. And he said these words. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food or the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, which means like to plant, I think, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What's the answer? Thank you. And which of you, by by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and is tomorrow thrown into the oven, they use that for food, I mean for cooking food, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? That's a little love dig. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, people who don't know God, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. These are the very words of God. Anxiety isn't just something that happens in your body. It actually starts in your eye and then goes into your head and then goes into your heart and then comes out through your nerves. What do I mean by it starts with your eye? It has to do with how you see things. Here are two different ways of looking at the world. The world is a dangerous place and I need safety no matter what. Or, the world is a dangerous place And I bring my father's saving kingdom, no matter what. 
the dangerousness of the world is a given until Christ's return. Everybody here could buy a plot in a graveyard somewhere in town through Birchwood, and you know what? You'd use it. It's not like that can of concentrated milk that you may get around to making a pecan pie with someday and then expires, even though it lasts for five years. We're all going to die. And the world is dangerous. It's physically dangerous. It's financially dangerous. It's relationally dangerous. It's psychologically dangerous. We can't control things so that nothing bad will happen. And in fact, sometimes the effort to try to keep everything under control takes a small problem and makes it eventually explode into a big problem. But how do we see the world? The world is a dangerous place, and I need safety no matter what. That is one way of looking at the world, and I think that is a fundamentally anxious way of looking at the world. The other option that we have as children of God is to say the world is a dangerous place. Maybe I should have said, but I bring my Father's saving kingdom no matter what. And that is a different way of looking at the world. It's a different way of looking at life. It's a different way of looking at who we are in this world. It's a different way of looking at the future. And I would say that number two is true. It's what the Bible says is true. Amen? That would be, I would call, a faith-filled vision or faith-filled heart. Now, I do number one quite a bit, so don't feel condemned. But this is what I mean. I think anxiety, I'm not a doctor, so you can turn your brain off and go talk to somebody smarter than me, but I do, I am a human being. Just like you. And so maybe this makes sense to you. Anxiety actually starts with your eye, then goes into your brain, and then finds its way to your heart, and then comes out of your nerves. Now, I want to talk for a bit about some expressions of living in an anxious society because it's not like just all of us decided one day that we wanted to be stress cases. Amen? Anybody put that when you're five? What do you want to do when you grow up? I want numb lips. <laughs> I want to be able to kiss that fire pole out in negative 30 and not feel anything, even before they get cold. I want my forehead to feel like it's got ants crawling on it when I try to go to sleep for a month. This isn't anybody's ambition, but it's, it, it happens, and it's not just like we, it happens in a vacuum. Faith is contagious, and fear is contagious. The way we look at the world is contagious, whether it's option one or option two. And I want to look at some ways that um, someone thinks is a good way of describing how we live in kind of an anxious culture and how it impacts everybody potentially. And I think we need to because when we're looking at that passage, remember when Jesus was talking about anxiety to his disciples? What did he talk about? What are you going to eat? What are you going to wear? Like, that generally isn't stuff that we necessarily worry about that much. Like you can find something to wear. And if you can't, we can help you. But that's the thing. There's somebody who's going to help you. You're probably not going to end up naked and starving. We, we don't deal with the same things that they dealt with. So when Jesus named those things, 
those aren't things that we tend to be anxious about. If we're anxious about clothes, it's not that we're going to have something. It's going to be like, do we have the brand? Am I going to be made fun of it? Is it going to still fit after I put on the COVID-15? All that stuff. That's the kind of stuff we worry about. So I'm depending on a author, not a Christian, so bear with me. If you don't agree with this at all, you're perfectly free to, but I found some help in this. It's a guy named Friedman, and these are Friedman's signs of an anxious society. And the way I'm talking about this is that he's thinking these are ways that people look at the world that filter down to how we feel. And if you want to actually get free, it's good to know what's going on and bring Jesus into what's actually happening. So signs that you live in an anxious society. The heart of it is when your society goes from having a hopeful, ambitious attitude towards the future to having a lust for safety, where you feel like you need safety no matter what and everybody around you owes you safety no matter what, this stuff starts happening, he says. Number one, people get very reactive and everyone's getting triggered all the time. Anybody heard this phrase, being triggered? Yeah? Anybody do it? Anybody do the WhatsApp trigger? I've done that before recently. Yeah, people get triggered all the time. You read a headline and then you blow up or somebody said something and then you're not friends anymore and, you know, it's just all, everybody's ready to get triggered all the time. And I think the root of it is we expect everybody else's opinions to provide us with a sense of security. Does that make sense? We expect our friends' posts on Facebook and Instagram to make us feel safe. And when they don't, we react. Because we see the world as a dangerous place. And, and we need some, everybody else to change to provide us with a sense of safety. Thought number two he has is there's a lot of blaming. When there's, hey, my amen section is ready to roll. When there's a problem, we know as a society that we're not it and somebody else is. And 92% of all social media interactions are just figuring out who needs to die in order for us to feel safe again. But as a culture and a society, we don't necessarily think, hey, there's a problem. How much responsibility can I take? How much change can I do in order to make sure I'm being a part of the solution? That's not how we see the world. Who needs to change for everything to get safer again? And it's not me. He says that's a sign you're in an anxious society. We don't have the confidence to deal with our own problems anymore. These things together lead to hurting. This is where we need everybody to agree, even if it means we force other people to agree with the worst of us. So have you ever heard of herds before, all these creatures that dwell together in a group? There's this place in Alberta. I'm pretty sure it's Alberta. Forgive me. I'm not the best with geography. I like words. And uh, it's called Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump. Anybody heard of this place before? Yeah. 
What do you think happens there? It's called Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump. And it got its name because, as I understand it, you can correct me publicly on our prayer group if you want to, but as I understand it, um, hunters of old would try to spook a herd of buffalo in the direction of this buffalo jump. And essentially what it is, is it's an area that looks like a plane, but all of a sudden it drops 50 feet, and then the plane continues. And so if you can get the herd running in fear in a right direction, all you need to kind of do is keep them moving, and then suddenly you have two or 300 dead bison for dinner. Because they jump off of the cliff and smash in their buffalo heads. And then everybody just comes along and it's pemmican for, the, for winter. Make sense? It's very smart. And lots of political analysts know how that works. Get a people spooked. Get the most frightened people at the head of the herd. And make everybody follow. And then get people to punish the people who aren't in flight with the herd. He says that's a sign of an anxious society because often the worst of us end up being the leaders. And in families, he says, he's kind of like a family thing, he says often what it means is because we don't have the confidence to deal with the problems, we end up lowering our maturity level down to the person who misbehaves the most in a family because we don't have the strength to resist their bad behavior and call each other up to maturity. That's hurting. You can just see that picture, the most frightened bison at the head leading everybody off the cliff. Well, this kind of like anxious society where everyone's triggered and people are blaming and we're we're hurting, leads us to have a strong desire for quick fixes. What's going to solve these major problems the fastest and the cheapest with the least amount of pain and suffering? The problem is, 99% of the time, there are no quick fixes. There are just claims that something will fix it, and then it doesn't. And then you move on to the next thing that lets you down. And then you blame everybody for it not working. And then you move on to the next thing that lets you down. And then you blame everybody that it doesn't work. And then you move on to the next thing that lets you down. And then you blame everybody because it doesn't work. Because it's hard to say, this is a big problem, and I'm going to commit myself to five years of personal transformation to meet with it, to meet the challenges of it, I'd rather buy a book that has seven keys in it and go through a program that has 12 steps in it. Well, the 12-step ones are actually really good, so don't, you know, three steps, cut it down. Why can't it just be one step? Want to make a million bucks? Write a book called One Step to Making a Million Bucks.
And all of this together, he says, the culmination is actually that you end up with a society with a real resistance to good leadership because a good leader will want to lead you through discomfort and through trial into real health and growth. And we don't want to do it. So we sabotage it and pick people who say nice things but then destroy our lives with their advice and leadership. So if you don't agree with that, you can try to write this guy nasty letters, but he's been dead for a long time, so I don't think he cares right now. But (laughs) For people who have so much food and so much clothes and so much money that they aren't anxious about those basic things, but we know the world is still an unsafe place, and we think that if we just try a little bit harder, we can completely eradicate all the lack of safety that we cannot actually beat, this is how we end up. Triggered, blaming, hurting, wanting to go from one quick fix to the next, and often sabotaging the voice that can really lead us into the transformation we need. And one thing about the quick fixes, we're a charismatic church and we believe in miracles and I want to see a lot more. Okay? Amen. But, and this wasn't a trap, but we need to check our hearts that we don't want miracles as a way of avoiding the slow path to maturity. Amen? Sometimes God won't do quick something he could do quick because he wants us to grow. So careful you don't want a miracle as a way of avoiding maturing. Just careful. Offer to God to go the path of maturity, but say, but if you want this short kind of miracle, I wouldn't say no. You know, go with that. You know, play mind games with the Lord in your prayer. Maybe we'll see how it goes. See, I made a joke and it died. (laughs) Sorry, Lord. Thank you. There we go. Don't play mind games with the Lord. He knows your heart anyways. (laughs) I'm glad that was recorded. No one would believe me if I told them. Can I just let you ponder those things? I have been. I've been looking at those signs in my life, and whenever I see those things happening in me, I just say, okay, pump the brakes, Rob. If I'm feeling triggered, I need to go back and see if I'm anxious about something because I'm not seeing Jesus. If I want to blame people, people pump the brakes. Am I feeling anxious because I've lost confidence in God to work in my situation or through me in my situation? Hey, if I'm wanting to gather a crowd because I believe there's strength in numbers, yeah, there's strength because there's millions of pounds of buffalo flying over the side of the hill. That's pretty strong. And I'm sure the smell after two days is terrible. 
But am I looking for strength from people because I don't have the confidence to find my strength in the Lord anymore? Am I looking for a quick fix just to make these problems go away because I don't believe that God can change my heart and make, raise my level of godliness up to the level of trial that's happening? And so I'm just using these things as like a thermometer of my soul. And I think I've gone through and tested all these things and could give you a scriptural story for all of these things, but I've got four minutes and 50 seconds left. So if you want to go into a deep dive in any one, any one of these things, send me a text and we can chat it out. Good? Offer presented? Offer received? Wonderful. What's Jesus' answer? Because even though I think the things that we can be anxious about are different, Jesus' remedy or his path or his call is good for the ages and in every situation. The first thing Jesus calls us to, the Jesus way of facing anxiety, starts with facing the Father. Taking your eyes off your feelings if you need to, taking your eyes off the problem and getting them fixed on your Father who loves you. Isn't that the first thing that happens when you're anxious is you completely forget that the Father loves you? I even wonder if that is like when we get to heaven, you want to know what anxiety is? It's just you having forgotten that I love you. That's what it is. And so when we hear Jesus talking about this stuff, he just says it over and again. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into bars. Everything we do to feed ourselves, they don't do anything. They just go scrounging. And it says, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than these birds? So your Father is so full of love and generosity that even those little field sparrows, that when your cat eats them, you don't even care? They're a dime a dozen. Well, Jackie cares, but I'm still proud of Frodo, kind of. So it's an accomplishment. Um, God is, as a generous creator, taking care of these little birds, which he didn't buy at the cost of his son's shed blood. How much more is he going to care for us? Because he loves us. A little bit later in the paragraph. Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or what about what these people think, or can I ever change, or can I meet this challenge, or... Is the fix going to be quick and easy and painless, or is it going to be hard and take a while? Don't ask these things, for the Gentiles talk like this. They seek after these kinds of things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows you need love. He knows you need friends. He knows you need security. He knows that you need help. He knows you need a hope. He knows you need a future. He knows you need a miracle. He knows. Not to laugh at you for your lack, but to love you for your future. He knows. 
So this is Jesus' remedy. When we're feeling like we want to go and type that thing, <laughs> it's trigger time. And you know this is the one time you posting something is going to change the world. Not like all the other ones. But this time, for sure, all your enemies are going to come crawling to you, confessing their sins, and all your friends are going to say, you got them. Stop and be loved. Stop and be loved. Let's do that. Church, let's do that. Let's stop and be loved. When we're like, let's stop and be loved. Second thing, you've got to face your fears. This is actually the only thing you can do with a fear. Did you know that? One thing I do like the internet for, I will say this, is videos of people running away from chickens. Have you seen those things? They're kind of like, it's like, it's Timmy's day on the farm. I'm on the farm. There's a goat. There's a cow. And then the chicken sees them and they're like, and then the chicken starts running at them, and they are in terror. <laughs> and they start going. Chickens do have claws, and they're mean. And they've got those little heads, and you know there is not enough room for even an ounce of mercy inside of that little skull of theirs. It's all just like peck and claw, and that's it. That's all they have. But something's clicked, and this little chicken, which you can eat a dozen of for $20. Well, no. never mind, inflation. $20,000 by this time next year. <laughs> I really hope we don't all become millionaires next year, just in order to be able to buy a loaf of bread, but whatever. The chicken scares them like crazy. But if you just stopped and grabbed that thing, yeah, you might get clawed a little bit, but you can kill it in a second. Now, this is a, an interesting part in the Word of God. I think it's First Peter, where First Peter says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Okay, I've been thinking about this. If you can resist the devil according to God's word with the process of standing your ground, shouldn't you be able to, shouldn't I be able to resist like everything else? Because that's the devil who is actually literally a powerful spiritual being. And if the process of resisting him is God, I submit to you, and this is all my problems. Okay, I'm going to turn and face him and not flee, and then he has to flee. Ought that process also to be possibly useful in other situations? Do you know what I mean? Cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Resist your anxiety. And this is about facing it. One of the things Jackie's and Jackie and I, because I learned everything she learns, thank you, you're a wonderful teacher to your husband, is that sometimes when you want to beat the physical sensations of anxiety, you just stop hating that they're there, stop resisting them being there, stop whining that they're there, and just be like, yeah, welcome, you're here. Tingles, welcome. In fact, get worse. 
Come on, Tingles. You're only tingling my hands. Come on, get the rest of me. Come on in. Come on. I dare you. And then I'll, now I'm going to go to work. And that often is massively changing. You stop, you turn your face in. Okay, sore stomach? I've got a sore stomach. Come on, get worse. Do all this stuff. Send me to the bathroom. Come on, come on, do it. Do, do your worst. Come on, chicken. I would like to see a video of when the chicken actually catches the guy. Do they just kind of do that thing where they run up and then they just stand there like they don't even know what to do with the kid once they catch it? I don't know. Maybe they jump on their back and claw them, which would just be cool scars anyways. Want to see my rooster scars? <laughs> Tear the shirt. Ooh, I hope he wants to marry me. Okay, I'm off, I'm off the book here. So I'm kind of joking, but at the same time, this actually works. We actually have to be able to say, this is what I'm afraid of, and I'm going to face it. And even if just facing it means, okay, get worse if it needs to, and I've got to go to work. Again, maybe you're in a very severe case, and you're working out your own program, that's fine, but we have found this actually works for us. And finally, facing the future. In a world where that is not safe and where anything can go wrong, I'm the one who broke my microphone at the beginning, by the way. I got it caught on something. Ultimately, Jesus' command to us is this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You're worried about food? Serve the Lord. You're worried about clothes? Ask God what he wants you to do with your day. You're worried about social status? Go and pray and ask God to make you dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Get busy doing God's business. That's Jesus' response to all the lack of safety in the world. Get busy doing his purpose. Say, I want to be used by the kingdom. That's this second vision here. I am in a world where the kingdom of God is invading, where when I pray... Your kingdom come and your will be done. God is hearing and he answers. And every dangerous situation I can bring by faith my Father's saving kingdom. That's that's his advice. Don't run after your lack. Bring the kingdom. Pray and bring the kingdom. Get aggressive. Build up your confidence. Do something good and useful. Bring the kingdom of God. That's, that's what the book says. I've lost it. It's there, believe me. So this is my encouragement to us, church. You've been wonderful. Band, you can begin to think about coming up here. I, I love every anxious heart here. I'm one of you. I hope you find a home here. Last week, there was a ton of people here. I had to go lie down after church. It was like, there's so many people. I'm bushed. I was like getting overwhelmed. And don't anybody not come back thinking you're doing me a favor. I want to grow up to the level of everybody who wants to find a home here. Amen? 
But for the sake of your eternity and the sake of your souls and the sake of our minds, let's not make peace with this part of our lives which are not, is not going with us into eternity. When you're in the new heavens and the new earth, you're not going to feel anxious for one millisecond. It's not coming with you, and it's not a part of you now. It's something you experience. It's spiritual warfare. It might be harm for the past, but it's not me, and it's not you. And so let's not make peace with it. Instead, let's do what Jesus calls us to do. Let's go after knowing the Father's love. Let's face it and say, even if it doesn't change, I know what it is, and I'm asking God to keep me moving one step after the next in the midst of it. And let's Let's let the revenge of the anxious be, God, do great things through me in spite of all of this. Make the enemy pay for all the trauma I've been through. Make the enemy pay for all the spiritual warfare I may have lost. Make this broken world pay with your kingdom coming in power until I see you face to face. Amen? And if you have a breakdown, I'll love you. Because it might be me someday. But don't quit, because I'm not going to quit. Time to worship. There's love for you, anxious heart. And don't give up on yourself. Go after the Lord. Know his love. Name and face your fear. Maybe you've never even told anybody what you're anxious about. Get it into the light. That's one of the best ways to face this. Confess it. Bring it into the light. Just acknowledge it there. Then turn and, and just say, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to win. Even if my feelings don't change. And Jesus, come. Bring your kingdom. Let's remember that there was a time when Peter ran away from Jesus and everything. And a few days later, the risen Christ found him and said, I'm going to use you. I've got some miracles for you to do. I've got some books of the Bible for you to write. I've got some churches for you to plant and lead. I haven't quit, so you don't quit. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every anxious spirit here. We say your power is broken and the Holy Spirit is Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. Set our hearts free. We say yes to the quick ones. We say yes to the long growth ones. We say yes to Jesus so that we can be as full of love and freedom as possible. And in the meantime, we say yes to your process, God, and deliver us from the enemy and make your kingdom come. Amen.